the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Continue to enjoy your best lawn ever with Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Contact them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025 or online, LawnDoctor.com. A lot more summer ahead plus the fall. Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island, your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call for a free quote today, 401-392-1025. Find out also about keeping your family safe from ticks and mosquitoes, Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Check out their website. It's LawnDoctor.com or call today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Today is Tuesday. It is July 27th. Don't look now, but the variant is getting worse. Now, I a couple things about this. This is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Just know you were warned. Know you were warned. No one, unless you work more and more types of businesses, first responders, healthcare, many people are going to be forced to get the vaccine unless you don't want to work there anymore. And that has happened. One of the coaches in the NFL, coach for the NFL, for the Minnesota Vikings, also coach for the Patriots, said, nope, I refuse to be vaccinated. And they walked away from the jobs. You know, that's their decision to make. This is your decision, but make no mistake about it. There are people out there who have had second thoughts about getting the vaccine after they had COVID. It's still out there. I know there's some people can't be reached. Some people learn the hard way. But what you're going to see is the masks are coming back. And the, I, I think the media, though, needs to start to use the metrics of hospitalizations and deaths this business of number of cases, and I know that some people could argue that they're uh, connected and related. The the higher the number of infections, then the more chance you can have people in the hospital, and then the more people in the hospital, the more deaths. But just know going forward, you, you were warned. Now, right now, folks, it is it is late July, last week of July. There's plenty of places right now if you want to get the vaccine. You contact CVS or Walgreens or wherever, and, and go and get the vaccine, if you want to get it. For those that want, don't want to get it, you've been warned. We are not shutting things down this time. Things are not going to be shut down. Folks, we're all, you have to be an adult. It's the adults now. Uh, it's different if you have children, and it's, and I understand it can be difficult. Children under 12, whether or not they need to be vaccinated. I know people don't want to deal with this, but we're, we're not shutting everything down just because some people do didn't take advantage of getting the vaccine so there's different vaccinations children need before they're going to go to school you have to show proof of that this is another example of it and i'll explain it again because there's confusion someone said and it's someone in the media but someone said i don't understand i thought if you get the vaccine you can't get it well you could still get a variation of a strain it's just it's not going to hit you hard you're not gonna no one is dying that gets covid after they um, if they've had the vaccine and you're, you're most likely not going to end up in the hospital. So, but it doesn't mean you don't get it and you may, you know, for one or two days feel lousy. So now some people say, well, then what's the point of getting it? Well, like I explained, you have person A that doesn't get it, the vaccine. Then when they come down with COVID, it's very severe. Could end up in the hospital, other things, other complications. Remember, there's plenty of people that, not everyone's dying, but do you want to spend a month in the hospital? Do you know what it's like? Think of if, if, if there's anyone listening that has had the flu. I've never had the flu. But people tell you, you know, it's two weeks having it. And another, you know, week or two weeks getting back on your feet. So, but until you feel like totally normal. Um, but it's out there. Now, another story that I just want to touch on quickly is it is very clear there's a double standard to me with the media with black lives matter and it, i'm not kind of going to go off and off on it as a major thing but to me a good example is yesterday they put out a release a press release and a posting i should say on social media these are the two officers who were involved that apparently were involved excessive force after a, a car chase and 
there were these three youths I've talked about. It started July 8th, ended July 9th, and they had, uh, well, at the time, police didn't know. They just knew they had weapons. They were shooting them. Turned out to be two BB gun rifles. Now, again, police didn't know. They don't know. Are they real weapons? Do they have other weapons? They're pointing them. They're shooting at people. They shot a woman in the face. They pointed the guns at police. This went on for hours, and then finally came to an end, and then apparently two of the officers used excessive force on one of the youths who then even had to be uh, assisted by stretcher. So I've, I've heard that they that he got knocked out. That's what I've heard. No one, I have not seen the body cam footage. I've heard about it. Um, we've talked about it. It's, it's apparently rough. And um, it's also completely starting to, it superseded anything that the the three teens did where they should have been in trouble and held accountable for but black lives matter put out a release on social media where they said these are the two officers and we want the body cam footage released well it turned out that it was wrong they had one of the the wrong pictures of the people up one of the officers was wrong the other one was right the other one was wrong do you know the providence journal did a story today on they're demanding the release and blah blah and no mention of the fact that they put out a release with the picture of the wrong officer. Now, they then issued an apology to the officer. His family said, you know, something like, we're going to do more research. They've had time to go through this. You're going to make a public statement identifying officers. And they got the wrong officer. That's one thing. If Folks, I, I am telling you right now, if that were anyone else, the media would be all over them. And saying they're irresponsible, they got a, you know, they, they lost all credibility. How could they release the wrong police officer? But they are so afraid of this group. I'll say that about Black Lives Matter. They definitely have the media frightened. There was a press conference on Friday of this, the whole Who Wants Some More and the Pepper Spray and the Sale Street crew. So Channel 12 sent. They have like a photog that goes out. Not a reporter. He's got a camera. He's got a mic. So he, he filmed it. So that was Friday. Friday afternoon. So Friday comes and goes. Saturday comes and goes. Monday comes and goes. Now I'm told. So Black Lives Matter contacts Channel 12 and says, hey, where's the story? Now normally Channel 12 would say, well, you know, it got bumped by other things. But we'll keep an eye on it. Blah, blah. So what does Channel 12 do? They put together a package and put it up on their website. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is a double standard. If these were other organizations or groups, there's no way. They would have said it just didn't work out. In hindsight, another story knocked it out. You know, they have different blocks. They have A block, B block, C block. And, you know, this time around, it just, and it really wasn't newsworthy. But why did they put it up on their website? Because they're afraid of backlash from black lives matter i kid you not it's real they they i i will give them credit for this they have the media running scared the media is frightened of them intimidated by them the media is so frightened that somehow that this black lives matter who think who you know th this is like the third thing in a row that they have lied and exaggerated on first they you know, they, they try to downplay the fact that people showed up with handguns at a rally they had in March at the Rhode Island State House. Then they completely exaggerated and said 20 children were beaten nearly to death. Infants were purposely pepper sprayed. All lies, all completely exaggerated, proven to be false. Then they showed up in Cranston and they were trying to take credit for people knocked out of an apartment building that somehow they were helping them getting housing. Even though they have no money resources, they did nothing to help them. Now, then they have a fake press conference where they said they're going to present evidence of white supremacists terrorizing this family. None was shown because there isn't any. And then, see, do you see a pattern? Every single time when they're involved, it's exaggerated, it's lies, it's misinformation. They, they, to be it, put it kindly, they stretch the truth. And now this time, they put out a big statement. We demand from the attorney general the body cam footage of these two officers be released. And one of the pictures is wrong. I mean, it. They, let me explain something to the rest of the media. They're fair game. They're putting themselves out there. You know, some of these other groups, uh, 
You don't even know who runs a page and they just put out these outrageous statements on a page. That's one thing. And you don't even know who's writing it. But the, these these people, this group, they put themselves forward. This is, I'm the leader and I'll grant interviews and I'll be in the press. And they totally come forward. Has to be both ways. Complete double standard. They make a mistake. Oh, that's okay. You know, maybe there weren't 20 children beaten. Oh, that's okay. You just showed a picture of the wrong police officer demanding that his body cam footage, that he was involved with abusing these people. Yeah, that's okay. Because you have such a good track record of clearing things up once the truth is shown. My message to the rest of the media is, hey, listen, you got to call them as you see them. If they do something right, you can say that. But if they make something, a mistake, or they say something wrong or lie, you got to call them out. All right, a lot ahead. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers and won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time full-time, maybe weekend work, you need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508 508- 336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www. This summer, let J.K.L. Engineering keep you and your family nice and cool. J.K.L. Engineering, call them today, 401-351-7600. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. J.K.L., it's going to be a hot summer ahead. Call J.K.L. Engineering today. Estimates are free. Financing is available. Remember, with J.K.L., 54 years in business, reputation is second to none, especially for technical expertise, customer satisfaction. J.K.L. is an approved National Grid VPI installer. They're also a Navian certified factory dealer. Call J.K.L. for a system replacement, oil to gas for a heat pump. Estimates are free. Financing is available this summer. Call J.K.L. Engineering right now. Remember, they do it right. They do it right the first time. They'll keep you and your family or your employees nice and cool. Call J.K.L. 401-351-7600. Remember, J.K.L. Engineering, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, a carrier factory authorized dealer. It's J.K.L. Call them 401-351-7600. This summer, stay nice and cool with J.K.L. Engineering. 401-351-7600. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Joining us right now, National Right to Work Committee President, it's Mark Mix. And Mark, there. Uh, first of all, thank you for joining us. There must be a typo because is this possible? How much I'm seeing that organized labor spent on politics and lobbying during the 2020 election cycle? No, there isn't, John. This is not a typo. In fact, the 1.8 billion dollars that they spend is a, is a gargantuan amount of money and 
unfortunately, some of these nonpartisan uh, watchdogs, they call themselves watchdogs, who want us to believe that the only thing that unions spend is their PAC money, which is just a tip of the iceberg of what the political activity of organized labor is. And, you know, John, we're using this report that we released on July 22nd that documents the one8 billion dollars in lobbying and politics that big labor uh, union officials that file LM2 forms with the Department of Labor report themselves. When we aggregate it all together, that's the number, and it's a gigantic number, and it's, that makes them one of the biggest players in politics. $1.8 billion. And could you walk us through a little bit, uh, people may not realize, but where, where does that money go into? What does it go into when... Would I be uh, going off on a limb and saying it's primarily used for Democrat candidates and purposes? <laughs> well, you wouldn't be going out on a limb, John, because the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, the, the percentage of money that's spent on one particular political party uh, sometimes goes up to the 98 99% level, um, and rarely does it ever get below the 90% level. So I won't say what party that's going to be, John, but I'll let you draw your own conclusions. Um, based on a president that says he's a union man, a union president, he's going to promote forced unionism, promote unionism, promote unionism. So, yeah, you uh, your instincts are correct. And, you know, this money you get spent on phone banks and get out the vote drives and and mailings and other so-called in-kind support for candidates is not really reported as political expenditures that's the thing that really makes the difference i mean there are PAC contributions that union makes and this is these are allegedly voluntary i mean they will say they're voluntary but when you sit down and, and get a job in a union shop you get all this paperwork and it it turns out once you fill out the 38 forms that uh, they require you to fill out you have uh, voluntarily assented to give to a political action committee and, you know, look, if people want to give to their PACs, that's perfectly fine as long as it's voluntary. But when they start spending forced dues money out of the general treasury, which is what this is talking about, because we're going to the, the source documents, the, the reports they file with the Department of Labor, and we're pulling out the line that says politics and lobbying, and we're aggregating all of that, and that's how we get to $1.8 billion. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Joining us right now, National Right to Work Committee President Mark Mix, new study national institute labor relations research showed organized labor the united states spent over 1.8 billion with a b on politics lobbying during the 2020 election cycle overwhelming majority 1.4 billion came from union treasuries now mark another big part of this is this is actually i would these these are taxpayer dollars because that's who pays a lot of the organized labor salaries to begin with. If there's, you know, teachers or, you know, that's always been a bone of contention with me that as the teachers unions are ginning up all these contracts, it's, it's their salaries are paid for by the taxpayers. Well, John, it's interesting you mention that because a lot of that money is not accounted for in this study because basically if you're a union, if, the, for example, the National Education Association or the American Federation of Teachers, if you're not representing private sector employees, you're not filing an LM2 for, report. So we don't know what a lot of these subsidiaries of the NEA and the AFT are spending on politics and lobbying because they're not required to file. Only private sector unions that represent private sector employees are filing. So we're missing, and that's that's why this is a this is probably understated by significant, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars because we're not getting the small affiliates of the National Education Association or the AFT because they're not required to file. And many states don't require them to file these types of reports either. They file their political reports, which says we spent this PAC money, this political action committee money, and that, you know, we can trace that and we have some of that in the study. But when it comes to the general treasury money that they spend on that phone banks and get out the vote drives and in-kind contributions that are not reported politically, that that money is basically, you know, in the shadows for those state affiliates. But your point is well taken. I mean, these are taxpayer dollars that pay these people that go into the union coffers and then they turn around and spend it on politics. No question about it. Mark, when's the last time we had someone in the White House that was this basically a puppet and in the pocket of uh, of the unions? Well, you know, I mean, I think this particular president, the current president, has indicated verbally um, uh, more, you know, more support for forced unionism and union officials than any president in the past. But there have been presidents, including the Bush administration. I mean, you know, this doesn't this is nonpartisan in most instances, unfortunately, John. Um, but the Clintons gave the opportunity for union officials to gain significant power. Um, the Obama administration certainly talked about it, although when you talk to union officials, they get disappointed in 
in the Obama record because he didn't do everything they wanted. They did some of the things they wanted, but Biden's trying to do everything they want. And there's no question they invested heavily in a president that said he's going to expand forced unionism. And you see it in the infrastructure bill. You see it in his support for the so-called PRO Act, which will wipe out all 27 right-to-work laws across the country and force workers across the nation to pay union dues or fees in order to keep their jobs or get a job. That's the type of uh, rhetoric that union officials love to hear and uh, and basically get really, really chills up their spine when, when Biden talks about forcing every worker in America to pay union dues or fees to get or keep a job. Folks, again, we're speaking with Mark Mix, president, National Right to Work Committee. Mark, I don't want to get off on a tangent, of, and I'm saying I would lead us off on a tangent, but just a perfect example that many times in New England, Rhode Island, people don't even realize how powerful they are and how it just goes off the reservation as far as how business is done. It was announced that the Providence Teachers Union, now two years without it, they say two years without a contract, even though the contract never expired, so it just still stays in place. But here's here's the motion for it. I think tonight the executive board, they, they say they've come to a deal with the state because the state took them over. Because the, the one of the Wall Street Journal did a piece, one of the fourth worst school districts in the country. Executive board tonight, members will vote on it Friday night. Then the details will be released to the public. There's any any other large expenditure. All the details have to first be vetted out, public meeting, the public can weigh in and so forth. They're the only ones that play by this rule that even if the public's upset about it, it's already a done deal. It's already been ratified. And then by that time, by the time the public sees it, the, you know, the horse has already left the barn. Yeah, John, it's disgusting. It's disgusting what happens behind closed doors. And, and the result of that is that union officials get these privileges and powers from elected officials um, that they support politically, and they turn around and negotiate behind closed doors. You know, oftentimes we have promoted here at the National Right to Work Committee at the state legislatures and others and, and other entities around the country that they have the so-called sunshine law, that all of this negotiation has to occur in the public domain. It can't be an executive session. It can't be behind closed doors. And they can't certainly can't do it. And that's kind of the worst example where they, they negotiate all this behind closed doors, they vote on it, and then they ratify it, and then they tell the taxpayers what it's going to happen, what's going to happen to them. And, and no doubt, John, the states like Rhode Island and like Connecticut and like Illinois and like California and like New Jersey and like New York that have dramatically powerful union officials in the public sector, I mean, those states are financial basket cases. And if it weren't for the, the funny money that uh, was sent by the federal government to these states to bail them out for so-called COVID relief that's now being used for general treasury to to basically correct a problem that's been created in decades in pensions and other government costs i mean these states would be bankrupt by now probably but you're right this kind of secrecy and this behind closed doors and the smoke-filled rooms that we you know that we talked about in the past these still exist today when you talk about union officials spending and negotiating over taxpayer money how can um how can people learn more or read more about the study about this 1.8 billion that was uh, flooded into the political system? Yeah, John, they can find the study at www.nilrr.org. N-I-L-R-R.org. That's National Institute for Labor Relations Research. And this is a research body that, that pulls together this data every two years. And they can find the study there and they can find an explanation. And then, of course, they can find it on the National Right to Work Committee website, too, at nrtwc.org. nrtwc.org. Folks, from the National Right to Work Committee, he is the president, Mark Mix. MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. 
If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. J. Perry Paving always provides high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service. Residential, commercial, seal-coating patios, get your driveway paved. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. 20 years experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, and general masonry projects. J. Perry Paving, they offer free estimates. Call them today at 401-732-1730. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. It's J. Perry Paving. Get your driveway paved. And if you're a veteran, no one has a better package for veterans than J. Perry Paving. Whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, J. Perry Paving has your back. Check out the benefits of investing in asphalt paving. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. Call them for a free quote today. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving, a licensed insured contracting company, they will meet your needs no matter how big or how small and no one treats veterans better than j perry paving call them today 401-732-1730 401-732-1730 for j perry paving back in 2017 you had expressed concerns about the membership of the all-white bailey's beach club said that you hoped it would become more diverse now your family's been members your wife is one of the largest shareholders has there been any traction in that are there any minority members of the club now i think the people who are running the place are still working on that i'm sorry it hasn't happened yet blaming all on his ribs born a blue-blooded snoot his birth was a black tie affair it's all who you know like Klaus von Bülow, he just likes to be seen everywhere. He leads a privileged life with a white privileged wife. At Bailey's, they like their champagne. Life on Bellevue in a state that is blue. <laughs> You'll never hear Sheldon complain. He likes clubs with with the lead waspy crowds where for decades kept the Jews away and BLF cannot stay well he's not big on diverse faces Bailey's Beach Club is his oasis Sheldon likes the clubs with white faces do you have concerns in 2021? I mean, obviously, it's been four years. You have remarks on the floor following the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd saying, you know, hoping to root out systemic racism in the country. Your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club again in this day and age. Should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. Listening to the John DePietro Show, joining us right now, he is the General Counsel, American Conservative Union, as well as the director of the ACU Foundation's Nolan Center for Justice. It is David Safavian. David, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us. I, I am very anxious to hear your thoughts on what could be done about this summer crime wave that is gripping the nation right now. Well, hey, good morning, and thank you for, for uh, having me on this morning. Yeah, we we are really concerned about particularly the epidemic of violent crime, the surge in, in crime that's going on right now. You know, it's it's a little interesting because I talk to some of my friends on the left who say, well, crime remains pretty static. These are just blurbs, just minute spikes. And the fact of the matter is that while a whole bunch of crimes have, have stayed low, property crimes 
you know, who burglarizes an apartment when everyone's locked in it because of pandemic? It makes sense that those crimes have dropped. Murder has jumped by by 33% across the country on average. And it's it's a real problem. Um, the, 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 the challenge we have is that uh, the... You know, our law enforcement is not feeling backed. They're not feeling supported. This is a, a direct connection to the defund the police movement. And when when police sit in their cars with their windows up, driving in circles rather than engaging in the in the community, these are the types of things that happen. So, you know, first and foremost is we have to kind of reset expectations with our, our law enforcement officers, make sure that they're supported, fill the gaps, make sure that we have full strength police departments uh, so that we're taking violent crime head on. David, did you see uh, it was on ABC's This Week, not to put you on the spot, but Pierre Thomas of ABC did a full report. I guess they tracked the shootings and murders in the course of a week in, in America. Um I didn't realize it may have been featured on ABC World News tonight, but it was definitely on ABC's This Week with Stephanopoulos, uh, Pierre Thomas, who's who's normally there. I think he's always um, on, on Capitol Hill. But any, did you happen to catch that at all? I didn't. I got to say, I'm not a big George Stephanopoulos fan. All right. Well, anyhow, um, but they he they talk about they feel that there's there's in every community there's certain groups limited groups number of people that truly are the bad actors and but for some reason you know they're they're committing the the bulk of the crime but the police seem unable to stop these small groups of people it's like they know who it is who the bad people are but they're not stopping them does that also coincide with i mean what are your thoughts on that that you have hit the, the core issue of the crime rate squarely on the head. Um, the vast majority of crimes are committed by repeat offenders. And, you know, and this is going to sound a little strange, but I think we have to lay the blame largely on our prison system. Uh, this is what Donald Trump did when he passed the First Step Act, okay? What he did was, to take you back, in 2018, he passed this legislation that basically created incentives for prisoners in the federal system to take all of the anti-recidivism programming that has been proven to cut the the chances of someone returning to prison or jail, right? So getting a GED, getting mental health treatment, getting opioid addiction treatment— all of these things, if you engaged in it while you were behind bars, it ended up helping you at the back end so you could go to home confinement sooner. You were still convicted. You were still uh, technically incarcerated, but you got to move from, from a prison to your home and have an ankle bracelet on. Uh, creating incentives to encourage people to do that kind of hard work of self-improvement has been proven time and time again at the state level to cut recidivism. There's a strain of folks that believe, you know, in the whole, you do the crime, you do the time. And I, I believe that you got to take responsibility for your actions. This is part of our core ethos at American Conservative Union. But if we can, uh, you know, provide the mechanisms for people to learn to engage with society in a way that doesn't break the law that's the surest way to the lowest crime rate we have not done that we have been more than happy just to throw people away for draconian periods of incarceration and when we treat folks like animals and they let and then we let them out are we really surprised that they're going to go back and act like animals uh the answer is we shouldn't be so part of the solution here is uh using those prison cells which cost a hell of a lot of money those prison cells should be reserved for the people we fear, not as much for the people we're mad at. And then take some of the savings, right. put it into that programming, so that when people do come out of prison or jail, they're not as likely to reoffend. You know, that is an excellent point. And again, folks, so speaking with David Safavian, General Counsel, American Conservative Union. You know, David, at this day and age, especially, you know, with COVID, certain prisoners were getting uh, released from prison early because of that. It, what you just said is exactly right. It as you really step back, it, it makes when you have nonviolent offenders, there are people that they're involved with crime or they do things wrong, but they're nonviolent. It it's so costly to then keep them locked up and, and treat them the same as a dangerous murder or someone that, you know, brutally killed either one or or more people. Well, and let me give you a perfect example of that dynamic. Um, during the height of the pandemic, 
Congress authorized the federal system to send more people to home confinement, particularly those people that were not risks to their community, right? So at one point, 28,000 or so folks were sent to home confinement out of the federal system. Today, about 7,200 are still on home confinement. But because of the way the law was drafted, they, as soon as the pandemic emergency is declared ended, they go back to prison. Now, this cohort of people reoffended at less than 1%. 28,000 people, of the 28,000 people, only 21 of them committed crimes while they were on home confinement. So to give you a comparison, the, the reoffense rate for federal prisoners is 49.3%. Almost half come out and do bad things again. This group, less than 1%, came out and did bad things. Why would we send this group of people back who have reengaged, they've gotten jobs, apartments, they're connected with their families, send them back to prison when it offers no public safety value whatsoever? All it's going to do is cost a quarter of a billion dollars a year to lock up those people. Yep. And, and it's just silly. Again, folks, so speak with David Savavian, General Counsel, American Conservative Union. David, let's get back to the crime wave, though. What, what could be done... Could anything be done between now, let's just say if I made you king for the day, between now and Labor Day, what, what could be done to try to stem the crime, summer crime rate right now in the United States? First and foremost, we need more cops on the street. Um, you know, what we saw in the data, and, and we're all about data. This is not about, you know, my friends on the left like to talk about things with emotion. This is about data. What we saw was that that the spike in crime happened when right after the george floyd murder and there was all there were all these calls to defund the police right so um retirements uh, exploded 42 percent increase in retirements people quit the law enforcement profession 18 percent of people who were wearing badges decided just to quit and go do something else we need to fill all those spots the problem is we're having good we're having recruiting problems finding the people that want to wear the badge for the right reason is posing a challenge because who wants who wants a job that everybody gets to monday morning quarterback when they make a mistake they're subject to either lawsuits uh, job terminations or worse yet you know prosecutions you know, these are split second decisions. I'm a former police officer. I know what it's like. And and to um, we need to, you know, the sounds soft and mushy, but we need to, you know, show our law enforcement community that we have their backs. That doesn't mean we have their backs when they do bad things. You know, corruption, clear violations of rules and regs, uh, police brutality, that all has to be held accountable. But we need to make sure that the right rhetoric coming out of our politicians is supportive of law enforcement. And I think, you know, this is not a left or right decision. People in Baltimore, people in Providence, people in my hometown of Detroit want more cops on the streets. We need to make sure that we've got the funding there to hire them, that we need to pay them fairly, that we need to bonus them when they do the right things. There are, that is going to be the key to reducing crime. You know, David, before I let you go, one thing, and you're exactly on the money, is... um what this is also the other side the defund the police crowd the abolish the police they they play the long game they they recognize this isn't going to happen right away but like anything else think of over the next five years they keep this pressure on that anyone that steps out of line makes a mistake boom vilified highlighted you know if it's bad now think of what it's going to be like in in five years over time this type of pressure it's gonna it's gonna have an effect it absolutely is you know, I, I I agree with you and I disagree with you. I think the whole defund the police argument really has hit its high watermark. People recognize that it makes zero sense. The problem we have to focus in on in that regard are are the prosecutors across the country that choose not to enforce the law. Yep. Um, you know, they've got to do things properly. They've got to do things with balance and fairness and recognizing the big picture, but saying we're not going to prosecute a whole category of crimes. All that does is, is encourage small-time offenders to become big-time offenders. So, our, our, you know, this is where our vote counts. We have to vote the people in that back the police, that back the meaning or the rule of law. And, you know, these people that decide, I, I, I personally disagree with this charge or that charge, so I'm not going to prosecute any of them. Those people are not doing their duty, and they need to be held accountable. Folks, he's David Savavian, General Counsel, American Conservative Union. Calvino. Call for a free consultation today, 
785-9400 or online fightbackcalljack.com where you or a friend or a member of your family in an auto accident, motorcycle accident, slip and fall, workplace injury, fight back, call Jack, free consultation, 401-785-9400. 50 years personal injury law experience and his office, 100 years combined total with the staff. Fight back, call Jack, 401 401- 785-9400. It would be great if you were in an auto accident, motorcycle accident, slip and fall workplace injury, and the other person's insurance company offered to compensate you what they should, but it doesn't happen that way. You need a fighter. Fight back. Call Jack. Free consultation. 401-785-9400. Jack Calvino. 401-785-9400. Or online. Fight back calljack.com folks you're listening to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's a.m 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website our award-winning website as a matter of fact is voted best local news site by the readers of rhode island monthly uh which is topetro.com it's time for our segment politics this week joining me he is the managing editor for anchorising.com it's justin katz and justin i want to give you uh kudos you called it uh, we uh, discussed the situation regarding the Providence police officer where a GoFundMe was set up for him. And very quickly, it got thousands of donations. They initially wanted 5,000. They surpassed that, I think, in the first hour. It eventually grew to over 20,000. I think it was up to even 22,000. <clears> and then as you predicted, though, a number of activists and people were kind of getting who are against the police were openly complaining and also contacting GoFundMe saying, oh, and by the way, they, they were disingenuous saying, oh, this guy, this is police brutality and what he did and he beat people and children and this other stuff. And then lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, uh, at the end of last week, the GoFundMe account for the Providence police officer who was suspended was taken down, refunds dispersed, yet the GoFundMe for the family who started the whole thing, and the whole thing started out really is they totally exaggerated what happened that night. Uh, that remained. So let's start off with that. You were 100% on the money about GoFundMe. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a depressing reality. I mean, these yeah. tools, GoFundMe and all of them, I, I think they, they they really do from the beginning, even Twitter, Facebook, they they offer a huge amount of potential to do healthy things. Like this is a go, competing GoFundMe uh, a, um, campaigns is about as healthy a reaction to cancel culture and ideological warfare as you can think of. People positively giving money to people they support doesn't hurt anybody. It just kind of it's a competition. It's a way for people to have an outlet, a way for people to feel a little bit safe that if they're canceled, then they might find some support anyway out there in reality. The problem is these tools, they don't, they're, they're all run by, you know, you, you presumably, you know, San Francisco type liberals and they, uh, they, they don't have GoFundMe as, as you noted, they don't, they're going to get calls from people trying to cancel the, the campaigns of people they don't like, and they don't have the resources across the country and the world to investigate thoroughly. Was this officer really doing something? Was this family really in the right? They don't have those resources. And so what they do, they fall back on ideology. They fall back on the, the progressives are always right. And it just becomes a one-way, uh, one-way measure. So I, I mean, I, I don't, at this point, I don't know why anybody would, would set up a GoFundMe campaign uh, for anything that isn't just thoroughly left wing, because you really run that risk that somebody will come up with some way to cancel you. And then thousands of dollars that people have donated to you will simply evaporate. So I, I think people ought to start finding another outlet than GoFundMe. Is there a, another outlet, Justin? I mean, I'm not that familiar. I, I was taken aback and never even entered my mind, but something that um, <clears throat> that the other side, the left, they, and especially in this particular situation, the, the truth doesn't the truth doesn't matter to them. It doesn't come into play. It doesn't they they don't like the fact that's what it came down to was there were more people donating to this suspended police officer. And let's face it, you know, what's also um, he basically was suspended for saying who wants some more. There wasn't any allegation that he hit anyone, used a weapon, uh, anything like that of protocol. It was basically a command for the people to get back on the sidewalk or you're going to get pepper sprayed again. Who wants some more? So 
but but the but GoFundMe was inundated with that uh, twenty children are brutalized, infants, police brutality, and then they feel you know we just don't want to get mixed up in this. But is there a competitor? I'm I'm unaware if there is one of uh, GoFundMe. No, no, there. there that's, that's one of the problems. It's sort of like Facebook. Yeah, but and nobody can really come up with an <clears throat> opposition version. Or I mean, we saw with Parler, um, the the Twitter alternative yeah. got shut down by all by Amazon by Twitter. That's uh, right. They, when it when it started to gain some traction, so it's it's actually a very difficult, dangerous thing. However, there are tools to transfer and raise money uh, directly. That's so there, there's there's currently that missing piece. <laughs> you know that that single you know website where you can go and you know you can start a campaign and people will be able to find it that that's a that is a a problem we have uh and it's it's difficult to, to see how we're gonna solve it i mean that's kind of what the uh, i mean right down to the the mainstream media part of the problem is we get these outlets that they take a sort of they present themselves as kind of even-handed uh, and they, I, for the most part, they probably are, but then when it comes down to it and the stories they choose or the campaigns they allow in the GoFundMe's case, they're, they're left-wing. They will lean left. They will go left when it comes down to a question. And I mean, as you say, they don't want to get involved in this, but by picking and choosing, you are. <laughs> the, only, the only way, it's sort of like uh, the, the talk about the section 230 protections for social media, uh, where they say, we're just, we, you can't sue us because we don't, we don't editorialize our content. But if you're picking and choosing what goes on, you are. You're picking and choosing what campaigns, right. you are picking aside. Yes. And that's, so the, they really need to start, if they're going to get into that business, I mean, I, I think culturally, we need to give them that space. We need this this outrage cancel culture is is really devastating in multiple directions and one of them is that a company like gofundme is rightly concerned that if they were to help raise money for some really outrageous act they would be attacked and destroyed for that on that basis so to some extent it comes right back to the cancel culture where we need to be able to say you know what they just collect money it's not up to them to police the world and, right. and double check everything and if if we're going to insist on that then we're going to lose the the value of the tool because you can't have them looking for not only not only cultural stuff but even just outright fraud i mean you to some at some point they have to be able to say look we just we just collect the payments it's a it's up to you uh as a consumer to figure out whether this is a legitimate cause that you're you're supporting uh we seem to have lost that though and and i i'm not sure how we get out of it but for the time being an alternative would be would be helpful all right, folks, our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorising.com. And Justin, what I also found interesting about that was I reported, I was the first one to report that there was a GoFundMe for that family on Sale Street, even though, you know, it was a little, they got public defenders, they were trying, it was pretty murky what the money was going for as far as, uh, you know, legal costs. Well, there's no legal cost and uh, medical, well, there's no, there was no medical needed, but, but the rest of the media jumped on it when it became apparent that there was a GoFundMe for the police. And then within the article, kind of near the bottom, they would just quietly mention there was also a GoFundMe set up for the family there. What is your take on, you know, police GoFundMe, big headline, but they had no interest in the story when it was just a family on Sale Street? Well, yeah, I, they can't look too carefully under that dress, right? Because there's a lot of ugliness under there. I mean, yeah. once, once you start investigating that i mean i the family is now claiming they're being harassed and I mean, one of the things somebody set a fire to a bush outside or we, we who knows who did that why we're at the point where if you can raise i mean they they've got up to but i think it's a little over fourteen thousand dollars raised i mean when a family like that can raise that kind of money you've got a lot of incentive to keep it going maybe even going outside and lighting your own bush on fire you know yes uh, so it's not but once you start looking into that, you get that as you as you've been doing on, on your site, uh, you, you start to see, you know, these aren't really necessarily trustworthy people, you know, with the, with the best intentions of the community in mind. And if you ask that question, you really have to stop, start 
peeling apart the whole idea of identity politics and uh, a lot of the progressive assumptions we're, we're forced to to accept these days uh, so I, th I think that's I think journalists to, well a lot of them I think just think they're on the family side right or wrong and it's their job to support them um, they don't want to be seen as the ones attacking the family right that could quickly happen where the family starts blaming some mainstream journalist and all the others turn on them so you could see that kind of fear there but to the extent that's not the case i think they just they they just realize that if they if they start to pick at these stories they're going to fall apart and it that kind of shows you what a what a narrative and what a fictionalized world we're kind of living in right now folks quick break a lot more politics this week justin katz Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com, right here on The John DePietro Show. For all your tree needs, call the tree trimming experts in Lincoln. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today for a free quote, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401-439-6028. Fully insured tree removal company with a licensed arborist yankee tree service they provide various tree services including tree removal pruning land clearing stump grinding and bobcat service check out their website yankeetreeservice.com whether it's for tree removal or stump grinding yankee tree service provides stump grinding so you can enjoy your landscape without the eyesore of old stumps tree pruning you know many times a tree just needs to be pruned instead of completely cut down the licensed arborists with yankee tree service they'll help you decide what's the best treatment plan for your tree emergency service or bucket truck service they'll get up in the bucket call yankee tree service today for a free quote 401-439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com Nothing but a big smile for all to see. Gone is the Fauci mask I had to wear. My lungs will be full, full, full of beautiful air. My lungs will be full, full, full of clean air. My lungs will be full, full of beautiful air. My lungs will be full, full of clean air. My lungs will be full, of beautiful Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA, Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokers for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies you can depend on. On MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401 431 2300. 401 431 2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today, MEGA Logistics, 401 431 2300. 